0: Go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, may that be our prayer today, Lord, that our lives would praise you. Because, Lord, you alone are worthy of honor and praise. Oh, how we exalt so many things in this world, Lord. How we exalt our our pastimes. How we exalt uh, the worldly things that, that we love. How we exalt even ourselves, Lord, You alone are worthy of exaltation and praise for all the things to live for. May our lives be lived to praise Your name, to lift Your name high, to glorify Your name in this earth, to point people to You. Oh, Lord, now I pray that as we open your word, Lord, speak to us today. Be exalted in our presence. Let us see your magnificence from this passage, from this word. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to... Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, looking at verses 34 and 35 today, Matthew chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, Uh, just two verses, two verses, and that's it, so uh, we've been going through the parables, and and we've had uh, three different parables at this point, we've had the parable of the sower or the parable of the souls then we've had the uh, parable of the weeds and then last week we looked at the uh, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven and so now we come to this these two little verses kind of a little break in the action that we'll see here as Matthew's got an important lesson for us to learn If you found your place there in Matthew chapter 13, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables... I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, as we've been looking at the parables, let me just remind you of a few things. We we answered the question first off: Why parables? Why? What, what's you know? Why are they? Uh, what's their importance? What are they, What is their purpose? And we said the purpose of the parables, as we saw there at the beginning of this study, is twofold. One, the parables is a is a judgment, a judgment on those who refuse to hear the plain teaching of the gospel. Jesus, at this point, had been teaching for quite a while, and he had taught openly, and he had taught the plain truth of the gospel, straightforward, and there were those who received it, and then there were many more who did not receive it, and so Jesus says at the beginning of chapter 13 that uh, why is he uh, preaching in parables, why did he start turning to parables and teaching in parables as an act of judgment on those who refuse to hear the plain teaching in other words if you're not going to hear my plain teaching then here I'll just give you a parable and make it make it even more difficult and so it is a judgment against those who refuse to hear the plain teaching of the gospel but it's also a blessing it's a blessing for those who do receive the plain teaching of the gospel as it It helps us to to understand and see the kingdom of heaven all that much better. As we who have received the gospel, Jesus now turns to parables. He uses parables. He uses things that are something that is tangible, something that happens commonly in our day-to-day life or in his audience's day-to-day life. He uses something tangible to explain something that's intangible. The kingdom of heaven is intangible. It can't be uh, viewed, it can't be seen, touched, felt, smelt, measured as other things in the world can be. So Jesus takes something that can't be seen by normal means and he uh, he takes that common, he takes that uh, a common example and applies it to the kingdom of heaven, so that we can see it better. We can grab, uh, gain a better understanding about it. So, he uses the that which is uncommon to teach us something, or takes that which is common to teach us something that is uncommon, uh, something that's knowable to teach us something that's unknowable through human reasoning and understanding. So as we've been working through then, and you know, chapter 13 is pretty much all kingdom parables. There's a little bit there at the end that's not where Jesus goes to Nazareth and teaches there in his hometown. But for the most part, chapter 13 really focuses on these kingdom parables. But then right here in the middle, in these two little verses, Matthew, he kind of takes a break in the action, He doesn't give us another parable, but he stops right here in the midst of it all to teach us something that is very important. It's really the central message of Matthew that he wants to get across to his audience and to us. He wants to point us to the king. Jesus has been teaching us through parables to teach us about the king's kingdom, but now Matthew wants to make sure that we understand that through these kingdom parables, we see the King. The King is revealed to us. And so the point of these two verses, what I want us to make sure that we learn today, is this, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. For as He fulfills the Old Testament prophecy, He is the ultimate revelation of God's grace look to Jesus what Matthew's saying you need to look to Jesus for as Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament prophecy he is the ultimate revelation of God's grace So I want us to see that this morning as we begin then to uncover this and unpack this these two little verses here The first truth that I want us to see is a truth that's implied in the text. It's not directly uh, in the text, but I think we can make this implication. I think Matthew is making this implication through this text. And that is, first of all, all Scripture is inspired prophecy. All Scripture is inspired prophecy. That is to say, it is the inspired Word of God. That's what I just kind of got through saying as I finished up the reading uh, amen uh, so ends the the reading of god's holy inspired and inerrant word i say that every sunday right we know that and, and that's what's being taught here at least uh, implicitly in this text that even a psalm is god's holy inspired and inerrant word so all scripture is is inspired prophecy. Now why do I say that? Why do I say it's implied? Well, Matthew, as he says this, he notice what he says there. Jesus did all of these things, Jesus, all these things, Jesus said to the crowd in parables, and did he indeed he said nothing to them without a parable. Now understand, let me stop right there, understand that Jesus didn't just teach in parables from here on out. We see, even in Matthew's gospel, as we continue to read it, Jesus, this wasn't the only way that he taught from here on out. Uh, There were other ways, but he says, uh, but in all of his teachings, he gave them a parable. All right, this was a a major part of, of Jesus' teaching ministry, was the use of parables, And so Jesus said said to the crowd in parables, indeed, he said nothing to them without parables. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Now, what Matthew points to here, the the, uh, passage of scripture that Matthew quotes here is Psalm 78, verse 2. Psalm 78, verse 2. Now, for a lot of us, uh, a lot of those who are, are thinking in biblical terms, you've spent some time studying Scripture, and, and maybe you've begun to think of Scripture as, first of all, you have the law. That's the first five books of the Bible, the first five books that, that uh, Moses wrote for us. And, and that is, in the, even in the Jewish mindset, that's considered the law. All right? The Pentateuch, it's the law of God. And then you have the prophets. You hear that term along, the law and the prophets. They have the prophets, and and we kind of have a tendency to think of the prophets proper. Uh, We think of the four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and then the 13 minor prophets, uh, people like Joel and Jonah, uh, Hezekiah, and all those others. And so we kind of put those over there. You got the law and the prophets. And then in between that you have these books about the history of Israel. It talks about how Israel uh, they got into the land of promise and, and they go through ups and downs. And then David comes along, and we have all the history of all the kings after David. And so you have this, this section of history. Uh, of Israel that you have recorded for us. And, and then we have the wisdom literature, the Psalms and the Proverbs being the main two in that category. And, and so we kind of have those, sometimes we, we think of Scripture in those categories. And, and so we don't necessarily always think about, or we could fall in this, this you know, trap of not thinking of the Psalms and the Proverbs and the book of, books of history as prophecy. But Matthew says it's prophecy. He wants us to see that, that all of these have a greater purpose just than to just tell us how we should live day to day. Oh, we learn those kind of lessons from those books, of all from, from all of God's word. But all of Scripture is prophecy. It is to teach us about God. It's to teach us about His work of redemption. It's not just to tell us what to do and not to do. But it's inspired prophecy. It's the very Word of God to teach us about His redemption. It is a revelation from God. It is a revelation from God. That is, it's a revealing, and I'm going to run th- quickly through these because I'm going to spend most of my time on the third major point there. It's a revelation from God. It's a revealing, God revealing something to us. All of Scripture is that. All of Scripture reveals something. Right? It, it's, scripture is not just about morality. Yes, it teaches us morality, but the point of God's Word is not so that we'll be good little boys and girls. The point of Scripture is to reveal something about God and about His plan of salvation for us. So it's a revelation, a revealing from God. All of Scripture is redemptive in focus. It is redemptive in focus. That is, it's God's plan of salvation. All of it is. All of the law All of the history that we have of Israel, all the Psalms and the Proverbs, the wisdom, all the prophecy, all of that is to reveal to us God's plan of redemption. We see in Scripture a record of salvation history, in fact. It's how God is redeeming a people for himself. He is saving people. He is not just leaving us us in our sin to die in judgment, but God is taking action. He is doing something to save for himself a people. It is redemptive in focus, and it is Christ-centered. It is Christ-centered. Because the only way that we find redemption is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only plan of salvation. He is the only plan of redemption. Dear friend, you cannot redeem yourself. You cannot redeem yourself. If you think, I'm going I'm to get through by doing more good than bad. No, you're not. <laughs> you can't do it. Because one sin... One moment of rebellion against God is enough to condemn us to an eternity of hell, and we can't buy that back by obeying God like we're supposed to do. You cannot redeem yourself. You cannot save yourself. There is no other plan of redemption. Buddha won't get you there. Muhammad won't get you there. All of the gods of the Hindus won't get you there. Only one, Jesus Christ. All scripture is centered in Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. It points us to Jesus. So that's the implication. All scripture is inspired prophecy that is a revelation from God redemptive in focus, and Christ-centered. Second, Jesus fulfills inspired prophecy. Now this is here explicitly. We can see it plainly. Jesus fulfills inspired prophecy. You see, that is a major concern of Matthew throughout his gospel. Matthew is, is writing primarily to israelites most of matthew's history history tells us uh, that most of his his ministry was in or in around jerusalem and and israel and so matthew his primary audience that he has in mind as he's writing all of this is an israelite someone who knows the law and the prophets they know the old testament backwards and forward and, and with the old testament they've been looking for salvation and so over and over and over again in Matthew's gospel, you get words like this, that, that he, uh, this was to fulfill. What was spoken by the prophet? He wants to show his audience that Jesus is the one whom all the prophets of old have been talking about. They've been telling us about this man, this one man, Jesus Christ so Jesus, he wants us to see that Jesus fulfills inspired prophecy. In fact, 11 times throughout his gospel, Matthew makes some kind of mention that Jesus did this to fulfill what was written in the Old Testament. Read through it and, and see that. He wants us to see that Jesus fulfills inspired prophecy. And when we think about inspired prophecy... Uh, to to fill in your blanks there. Uh, First of all, when we think about what is inspired prophecy, inspired prophecy is God's foretelling. God foretold in your outline. God foretold. He foretold of something that was to come. It hadn't happened yet. It hadn't happened yet. And and so God, he, he he foretold. He foretells something that is going to come. And one of the, the, the biggest concerns of God is to point to the Redeemer who is to come, the Messiah, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David. And this is quite remarkable. This is quite remarkable. Think about this. Our God who created us. He created man and He put man in In paradise. And though God had set man up in in paradise, yet man said, you know what, God, I don't think you got my best interest in mind, so I'm going to do it my way. And man turned away from God. And we continue to turn away from God. We continue to say, no, God, I think I can do better than you. I'm going to do this on my own. We continue to turn away from God. Now, if someone were to turn away from me, and I always tell them, hey, man, there's danger out there, and they said, well, forget what you say, I'm going to go anyway, I might have a tendency to say, well, I tried to tell them. right? let them go. But God doesn't do that. God could have left us in the dark. He could have said, forget you. Be done with you. He could have wiped us out altogether. He doesn't need us. God didn't create man to to fulfill himself in some way. He doesn't need to be fulfilled. He is the fullness of, he's always eternally the fullness of God. He is full. There's nothing that we can give God. Yet when we turn away from God, God is so gracious that he doesn't leave us in the dark. Instead, over thousands and thousands of years, God has given us this Word to show us His grace. To say, I love you. I want you to know something about me. And I want you to see what I'm doing to save your soul. What a wonderful grace we have in this book wonderful wonderful book this is God foretelling us what he is going to do for us for those who were before Jesus it was to tell them of Jesus who was to come for us who have been born after Jesus, it's for us to look back and, and see what, what God had said before and to see His fulfillment and to know what's still yet to come. And to know that it will come because God said it will come. Look, He, he fulfilled it in Jesus. Certainly He will fulfill it in what is still yet to come. So the Word of God is, is a fulfilling of are God's foretelling of his salvation. And he did this, he used he accomplished this through prophets. He used prophets like the one that we're studying today, like the one here who, who prophesied in in the Psalm. He used men, he spoke through men, and the men recorded down what he inspired them to to write down. All for the purpose to show us what he was doing now scripture tells us how do you know a prophet how can you identify a prophet and trust a prophet well scripture in deuteronomy chapter 18 tells us quite plainly here's how you don't want to know you want to know how you can know a prophet is true how you how you can tell if he's from me if i'm sending him what he says will come true what he says will come true and it works every time. Now, throughout Israel's history, there were times when false prophets arose. And what happened? What they said didn't come true. I've been reading through Jeremiah and my, my studies. And uh, I came across this past week uh, about the story of the false prophet that Jeremiah went up against called Hananiah. Hananiah in chapter 28 of, of uh, Jeremiah Hananiah comes in. Jeremiah has been preaching that uh, the Lord's about to take Jerusalem into captivity. You're about to go into captivity, into exile, into Babylon. All of this is a judgment of God because of your rebellion against God. God had even at this point instructed Jeremiah to, to wear a yoke around his neck to demonstrate you are coming under the yoke of the Babylonians. Get ready. Prepare for what's about to happen. And Hananiah comes in and says, Thus says the Lord. In two years, I'm going to break the yoke from, of the Babylonians from your neck. He comes and he takes the yoke off of the back of, of uh, Jeremiah. And he breaks it into pieces. And Jeremiah says, Amen. May what you say come true. But then... Jeremiah goes home, and he gets a word from the Lord. And the Lord says, I didn't send Hananiah. In fact, in verse 15 of chapter 28 of Jeremiah, he says, And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, God gave him this to tell Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made... The Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore thus says the Lord behold I will remove you from the face of the earth this year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord and then listen to this verse 17 in that same year in the seventh month the prophet Hananiah died the prophet of the Lord, he speaks on behalf of the Lord. And when a prophet speaks on behalf of the Lord, what he says comes about. So how do you know a prophecy is true? Because it comes about. It happens. It happens. And Matthew, he wants us to see that. That what the Lord had spoken through the psalmist has come true in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you see, fulfills the prophecy. The Israelites have been looking for the, the prophecy to be fulfilled. They've been searching and seeking the Messiah who was to come. And Matthew says, Jesus is the one. Look, look at all he has done, fulfilling what God had foretold in the prophets before him. Jesus is the one. See, it's kind of like this. My father, he's a retired county sheriff there in Bradley County, Arkansas. And I used to, I used to get to go with him out on different calls and, and what have you. And I remember one time that uh, Daddy got a call to go to a, a shop there in town or in the, the county. Uh, it had been burglarized. And so I was happened to be there when he got the call, so he said, come on, go with me. And so I went along with him, and we got there. And Dad, when we got there, he went to the trunk, he pulled out his fingerprint kit so he went into the office there where the, the break-in had occurred and he asked him all right now what's been you know went out through all that what's been stolen all this stuff and have you touched anything no we, we've just found it like this we left it as it is and so my dad he got out the fingerprinting kit and he started dusting for prints and sure enough there around where the item was sitting that was stolen, uh, he found some fingerprints. And he, so he collected those fingerprints. He sent them off to the, the state crime lab, and it came back. This person had a record. And so his fingerprints were on file with the state crime lab. And so Daddy was able to figure out who stole the property by their fingerprint see, each and every one of us have unique fingerprints. There's no two fingerprints that are alike. And so, uh, so police officers have found that if they can identify a fingerprint and match it to a person, they have found they criminal. It's much the same way with the prophecy of the Lord. The prophecy is the fingerprint. It's that unique pattern that, that only one can fit it. And Jesus is the finger. (laughs) He's the one that the print belongs to. See, God gave us the fingerprint. Here's the pattern that you look for. And then when we get Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he begins to live his life. He begins to teach and preach and do great miracles. And as you begin to look back at the fingerprint, you see there's only one who fulfills it, and that is Jesus. Did you know that in Scripture there are over 300 messianic prophecies? Over 300 messianic prophecies. The statistic or the chances that one man would fulfill even eight, even eight of those over 300 prophecies is one and 100 quadrillion you know what a quadrillion is hundreds thousands millions billions trillions where our national deficit is and then there's quadrillions one and 100 quadrillion That's the chance that one man would fulfill just eight, just eight of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. How many does Jesus fulfill? (laughs) Every stinking one of them. Every one of them. The only ones that he hasn't fulfilled, the only ones that still left are still left to be fulfilled are those that will come at the end of the age. That's the only ones he hasn't fulfilled. And he just hadn't fulfilled them yet. All the others, he's fulfilled them. There's no no better match. And that's what matthew wants us to see god foretold he gave us the fingerprint the pattern and now here you have the fulfillment of the pattern in this one man therefore if you see the 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 pattern that god gives you and you see it fulfilled in this one man the conclusion you ought to have is that jesus is the man He is the king of God's kingdom. He is the Messiah. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. All of scripture, all of scripture is meant to point us to Jesus. Jesus. So all scripture is inspired prophecy. And Jesus fulfills all of the inspired prophecy. Number three, Jesus then, here's the conclusion, Jesus is God's promised king. Jesus is God's promised king. As we look at that passage that That Matthew points us to, that psalm, Psalm 78. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. I'm going to turn quickly over there to uh, that psalm. As we, we turn back, we see that Matthew, he gives us a translation of that psalm. In your Bibles, it probably reads something like this. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Indeed, in the, the uh, Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament Hebrew, the Bible that Jesus and Matthew and Paul and all of them in their day would have been reading, it reads, this is the English translation, of course, uh, of that version. But it reads something of this effect. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter problems from of old. You can kind of get the gist there, and, and we, we kind of see that Matthew is, is hitting it right on. Of course, he is coming under the inspiration of God himself, so uh, of course he's got it right on. I will utter what has been hidden I will utter those problems that we've been having with the Old Testament. Those things that have been hidden that we haven't seen yet. Things that's been there since the foundation of the world. Things that God has been revealing to us. You see, we see in this that the... The nature of progressive revelation, that's the way God has operated throughout uh, the history of redemption. He progressively reveals himself a little bit at a time. He doesn't give us the full chunk at once. But he begins at the very beginning saying uh, to Adam and Eve, your seed, Satan's seed will bruise his heel, but your seed will bruise his head will literally crush his head uh, deliver that defeating blow to satan and his offspring then you get to abraham abraham the lord says to abraham through your offspring through your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed through moses and and the law he he shows us more He reveals more. He he reveals to us our need for salvation. He gives us the law, and he shows us our inability to keep the law. And he shows us that we need atonement through the atonement lamb. We need atonement for our sin, atonement for our disobedience before God. And then to David, he says, through your seed, I will establish an eternal kingdom. On and on throughout the Psalms, on and on throughout the prophets, God reveals himself little by little by little. And what Matthew is saying, that Jesus, all those mysteries that we've been thinking about, all those mysteries that we've been getting together and talking about and trying to 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 define and figure out, Jesus fulfills those. All those questions that we've had about Old Testament prophecy, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. Jesus is the mystery revealed. He is the mystery revealed. This is what they've been looking for and searching for. He is the promised seed of Abraham, the seed through whom all of the nations would be blessed. He is the promised seed of David, that chosen line of David. And we see this working out even in the psalm. If you look at Psalm 78, that's the beginning I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark things from of old. But when you begin to work on through that parable, you see a, a kind of a, a review of Israel's history. You, you see the giving of the law. You see the, the time of Exodus when God brought them out of Egypt. You see their wandering in the wilderness. You see the, the, the review, the summary of them uh, wandering through the wilderness and and being out there and their disobedience towards God in the wilderness there then again in verse 23 you get a, a little break in the action and you see this revelation of God's grace though you've been rebelling against me he says yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven they've been rebelling against God Yet here's a picture of God's grace even in the midst of their rebellion. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens and, and by His power He led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwelling. And they ate and were filled for He gave them what they craved. And he goes on, and then again there at the very end, verse 38, he says, Yet, yet, being compassionate, God atoned for their iniquity. He atoned for their iniquity, and he did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh flesh a wind that passes and comes not again. And then we see more and more of Israel's history and how they sinned against God. Though he was gracious to them, they continued to turn away and and go their own way. We see more of the wilderness wandering, more of the exodus, more of the the time of the conquering with with, Joshua. Joshua. We see the time of Judges recording and how they continue to turn away from God. And the psalmist ends in chapter um, verse 67. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfold. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. Listen to this. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hands. And you see, all of this is to point us to Jesus. You see, with all of the children of Abraham, there's one line. It wasn't Jacob. It wasn't I- I- Isaac. It went through Judah, but it wasn't Judah. You look at all the seed of Abraham, and all of them f- uh, failed in miserable ways. Even right up to David. Oh, the promise was through David, but it wasn't David because David sinned against God. He committed adultery and and had a man murdered. How could it be the the chosen one of God? But it was through David. God in his grace and his faithfulness, he kept the chosen line. He kept the chosen seed all to bring about the one who would come. When we look at the history of Israel and Judah, Israel in the north and Judah down there in the south, the divided kingdom, what happened in Israel? They had king after king after king, and not just king after king, dynasty after dynasty after dynasty. It went from this family to that family to the other family. But what happens in Judah? There's one line. There's one dynasty, the Davidic dynasty, and it lasts throughout the whole history of Judah. And even when Babylonians came in and took over Judah and led them into exile, yet Jehoiakim Jehoachim, the son of Josiah, he was preserved and God took him to Babylon and the king of Babylon had compassion on Jehoachim, had mercy on him and released him from his chains and set him at a high place even in his, among his officials. And so that when we get to Ezra, we see Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, son of, of uh, Jehoiachin. Son of Josiah, coming to bring the Israelites out of exile and back to the land of promise. And what does Matthew record in chapter 1? He records Jesus back to Zerubbabel, back to Jehoiachin, back to Josiah, back to David. This is the one. Not all of those others, they were all part of God's plan, but they're not the one. They don't fulfill the prophecy. Jesus fulfills the prophecy. He's the one. He is the promised seed that we've been waiting for, the seed of of Eve, the seed of Abraham, the seed of David that God has been telling us would come and save us. Jesus is the King of God, and Jesus is the atoning sacrifice of God. Throughout history, we see God's grace poured out time and time again. Though we don't deserve it, though Israel didn't deserve it, no one deserves it. Yet God in His love and grace continues to pour out grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. And his ultimate show of grace and mercy was when he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, as the atoning sacrifice. To remove the stain of sin from us. We don't deserve it. We've done nothing to deserve it. We're sinners, pathetic, miserable, sinners before God. We deserve nothing. Dear friend, you deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. Do not look at yourself in the mirror and say, I deserve this. You don't deserve this. We are pitiful and pathetic sinners. We are but worms before God. And yet God said His Son, Jesus. His beloved Son, whom he's loved for all of eternity, to come to atone for us, to take on our sin, our shame, our misery, so that we could. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. That's what Matthew's saying. Look to Jesus. He's the King. He's the King. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Him. Come to Him. Surrender to Him. Don't just believe some facts about Him. Look to Him. Surrender to Him. He's the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace. He is God's King, God's Messiah, and the only way into God's kingdom. Jesus says of Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Dear friend, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must look to Jesus. Surrender your life to him. Come under his authority. And he will give you life. Life everlasting. Have you looked to Jesus? Heavenly Father. Lord God, it is my prayer today that, Lord, today you are working in this place. And Lord, that you would move in the hearts of the people here. Lord, even as a follower, I need to be reminded of who you are. Oh, how my prideful heart is prone to wonder. Oh, Lord, let me not wonder. Let me be obedient to you, for you are the king. I'm not the king. You're the king. Oh, Lord, may we Surrender to the King, Lord. There, I know there are those here today that never have looked to the King. Maybe they they've known some facts about the King, but they've never looked to the King. They've never surrendered to the King, given their lives to the King. But surrender into their hearts so that they may enter your kingdom today. I leave all of this into your hands. And this I pray in Christ's name. Amen.